Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 123, and it took place in Seattle when I was home uh, visiting my family. Uh, a little backstory on the episode. In April, for my birthday, my brother, my big brother, got me a weekend intensive course with David Rosowski is improv class. Uh, David, of course, is a very well-known improv coach. He's an actor, writer. He has the podcast ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Um, really funny guy, excellent teacher. Um, anyway, so I went to Seattle and my brother and I took this class and I had a blast. I'd never done improv before. My brother's been doing it for a really long time He's great at it, and uh, it was the weirdest thing because uh, somewhere in the beginning of, gosh, probably March maybe? I don't even remember exactly what, but I woke up this one morning and I thought to myself, self, <laughs> I really want to try improv. So I googled Nashville improv, and uh there were classes that were going on, but uh, unfortunately they were during a time when I couldn't do them because I was traveling so much. So I was like, ah, bummer, I really want to take improv classes. And within an hour or two, my brother called, or no, he texted. Maybe he called. Now I can't remember which it was. But he basically, he said, hey, uh, this guy David Rosowski is coming into Seattle around your birthday. I'd like to get you if you're interested, a weekend uh, learning from him, improv. This is so crazy because I didn't tell my brother that I was wanting to do it. it. Just, it just, man, the prayer was answered. I made the request to do improv and within a couple hours, my brother was calling, gifting me with this experience. And it was delightful. I had so much fun, aside from the fact that it was a wonderful bonding time with me and my brother. Um, it was it was just really cool to experience the class. I loved it so much that uh, David was back in Seattle in August, and I went back for a whole week. I got to study improv with David and the rest of the class, and again, it was a blast. And he was very kind uh, with his time and sat down with me. We were at his Airbnb, and I was able to have this conversation that you're about to hear. Uh, we talk about all sorts of wacky things, and uh, it was just a delight. He's he's a wonderful man, uh, really funny and entertaining and quirky. Um, so there's all that stuff. Uh, I think the the most interesting thing about my experience doing the improv was that I could see how much you could parlay it into just regular life. All of life is improv. We're constantly improvising every second with every person we meet. Um, David has a very Buddhist sensibility about improv, and that's fascinating to me. Uh, yeah, it's just very cool. The good news is he travels all over the world and uh, brings improv classes everywhere he goes. So you can go to his davidrosowski.com website and uh, get him to come to your town or or come to your improv group or whatever. Again, I'd never had an improv class before in my life and I did it and had a blast. So I think all all levels of knowledge in that realm are welcome. And uh, I'll post on heyhumanpodcast.com 
a ton of links for this episode as well as the obvious ways to get a hold of David. So, um, yeah, the usual stuff, of course, social media, Hey Human Podcast. You can find me on my own personal Instagram and Twitter at SusanRuthism uh, and, of course, SusanRuth.com. Uh, as I mentioned a second ago, HeyHumanPodcast.com has the, all sorts of information, big old links page filled up with info. And it's also got uh, the Amazon portal, which is a wonderful way to help support Hey Human and keep it going is by using that Amazon portal to do your Amazon shopping. Uh, please do that. That would be awesome. And while you're on the internets.com, you can rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, most especially on iTunes, though, because it helps get the word out. You know, it pushes uh, pushes the algorithms in the right places. This is beyond my pay grade. I don't know how, how any of it works, but but I know it does. So what else? Uh, email me, like I said, Susan. Did I say that? Maybe I didn't. I don't know. Susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for being you and for all the support and wonderfulness. And for those of you that have been doing the support button on the website as well, Thank you for that. It's really helpful, um, and I appreciate it very much. Okay, well, I think that's that. Let's get into it. Um, here we go. David Rosowski, welcome to Hey Human. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. Me also. too. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. I'm actually here. You're not here. I'm here because we're here. Yeah. This is neither of our place. No. It's lovely, though. It really is lovely. Um, it's a an Airbnb um, in the... What area would this be called? Uh, I think we're in Finney Ridge. I'm going to actually shut the doors because of the... Oh, yeah, for, okay for, yeah, yeah, for sure. For noise control. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the planes are going overhead. Yeah. Uh, switch the guys, the knob on the guy. Okay. Yeah. Is that okay to have that guy open? I'm sure it's fine. Because okay. that one was really loud. Yeah. Okay. Fuck that door. Fuck that. Uh, Finney Ridge. There was another word for it that was here, but I'll go with Finney Ridge. Well, we're kind of a little to the... Wait, are we... I don't know. Fremont's around here somewhere. Yeah, Fremont's around here somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's been 12 years since I've lived here, and it looks so different. I really love it here. Yeah. This is really Come a cool in the place. <laughs> I have been here in the winter. Okay. I have been here in the winter. You know, um, it can be oppressive. Oh, I know a lot of people just say, yeah, I lived in Seattle for 10 years, and I was just like, I was one month away from killing myself. Um, but same thing in living in Chicago, where in February in Chicago, you just want to go, can somebody fucking do something about this? Yeah. And my dad and his wife, they moved, they moved down to Florida. Well, they hit that age probably where you were required by law to move to Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a license plate, a license plate on Florida should go to go a Florida where Jews go to die. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, so they moved. It's they funny because it's true. Funny because it's true. And my dad and his mm -hmm. and his wife moved down there. It's like, oh, don't even bother. Fucking Florida. Don't even bother. And it's, the weird thing is that I got a lot of work in Florida. And I just cannot, I can't, I can't, I will not live there. I don't think I'd want to live, no offense, Florida, but I don't think I'd want to live there either. It's no. The humidity, first of all, not a fan. 
Um, I don't care about the humidity. I care I about like the it. stupidity. Like you get out of God, you get out of like any like like Miami Beach and that area there, and Orlando has great people in Orlando. Um, but everywhere else, it's like super conservative. Oh my God! Yeah, and you are super not. I am super not conservative. There's got to be another way to saying that, but we'll just say super not conservative. And my my um, my ex in laws live down there, and I always felt like there was. There was just one, there, everybody was just one conversation away from saying the word kike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, weird because there are a lot of Jews in Florida. But, there are a lot but, of Jews in Florida, but, but not in those other places. Right. Not in like Homestead or, or Mary Esther or you know, Eglin Air Force Base. All those anti-Semitic you, alligators. <laughs> yeah, right? Alligator Alley. There's just a bunch of alligators going kike. Uh, crocodiles. Kike. Wait, what's the difference again? Do you um, know? I did know the difference, but I don't know the difference. I wonder if... All I know is I'm pretty sure that alligators... Oh, somebody right now is screaming at their, I know, their phone. they are. Um, alligators, I think, only live in Florida. Okay. And crocodiles, because I think about, oh, crocodiles, where would you see crocodiles? In horror movies coming out of uh, the Amazon. Yeah, okay, yeah, I would go with that. South and, America is a crocodile and, sure. and America is an alligator. Maybe. A for America. A for America, C for uh, South America. <laughs> Colombia. Colombia and Costa Rica. Costa Rica. It's Central America. Costa Central Rica. Rica. Yeah. I'll have to look that up and, and learn those things. Later. Or not. Or not. Well, now I want to know. Well, yeah, I guess. Not, now you it's going to be niggly in the back of my head. <laughs> See what you I did there? You use that word. You use that word. It's a good word. It I is a good word. I haven't heard that word in forever. And you know what's a really good word? Nascent. That is a good word. That really is a good word. And tit. Titular is another good word. Tit- titular. Titular. Oh, titular. Titular. Like, titular. Like it's titillating. No. Oh. Titular means like it's... The, like you like, grabbed your boob. When like grab your boob. Like titular. Um, it's a side titular. It's, um, it's really itchy. Tit- yeah. It, itchy titchy. Ti- yeah. It's, titular means... I think that if you, if you would name your album your name... Eponymous? Oh, eponymous. Titular. Isn't it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. I would is. look it up, but it's just a waste of time. Now people are yelling at they're yelling again at That's their good. phones. They're playing at home. It's they're playing good. at home. It's a home game. Now the people in Florida there they turned it off. Oh my god, people in Florida if they turned it on, I'm like, why why are you listening to this? Why are you listening? Isn't there some kind of I don't know. I don't want to get that go there. I go to the Key West uh, Songwriter Festival almost every year. Oh. Have you ever been? No. Why would I go to a Key I West Songwriter Festival? I don't know. It's, it's a festival. lot of fun. It's quite debauch and, and mm-hmm. it's a great time. Oh, that would be fun. Key West yeah. is debauch in general. Yeah. Which I love that about it. Debauch. Which sounds like somebody's name. It like does. Debauchka. De- Debauchka? Debauchka? Debauchka. Isn't that... Debauchka. That's a, that's, a, that's a, a songwriter. I was going to say, it sounds like a composer. It's a songwriter. Yeah. Debauchka. Debauchka. Somebody's yelling at their, their phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> really good. I think that this guy did the soundtrack for... Um, I want to say... The titular soundtrack. The titular soundtrack for uh, the uh, Eternal Sunshine. Uh, oh, God. No, no, no. No, that was somebody else. Uh, Miss... Uh, Miss Sunshine, the Sunshine. With Alan Arkin? And Alan Arkin. Girl. I love him. Me too. I love him so His much. His book is really good. I haven't read it. What it's is a really book? good book. He writes a book on improv. Does he? And it's one of these books, yeah. yeah. So I sent you that photograph when I was digging through my parents' record collection. I found that great yeah. album of the Second they, City from a billion years ago. Right? They and did a couple albums. Yeah. It was fun. It's fun to um, listen to. I would imagine that it's also dated. 
you know? It was in one particular... There was one uh, sketch that I thought, well, that's, that's right on the line of not being okay. Uh, you know? Because it was like, my wife, or... It was, it was something about... Uh, I think they they were it was a black white thing woman mm-hmm. man thing and it was just it was right on the edge mm-hmm. but I mean comedy is supposed to do that well anyway. it's fashion yeah. comedy is fashion yeah. where like what what's in fashion goes out of fashion mm, yeah and more often than not it doesn't come back into fashion it's right. not like Nehru jackets or or you know bell bottoms yeah. so once it goes out of fashion comedically I don't think it'll ever come back um, I don't think anybody's listening to like Flip Wilson albums. Um, I don't even know if you know who that is. I do. Yeah, so I don't know that anybody's listening to Flip Wilson al- albums. Maybe they are. I don't know. But there are some people like Nichols and May. I don't uh, know who that is. Oh my God, they were like they're 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 the best. Mike Nichols and Elaine May. So Mike Nichols went on to become a director. Yeah. Um, okay, I know that. Like uh, maybe Academy Award winning director, yeah. and Elaine May wrote you know probably the worst movie. She wrote Ishtar. She directed and wrote Ishtar, but she also did. A bunch of other movies and it's just really an amazing grouping listen to it or or if you if you go to YouTube you can see there's some videos and they are fucking hysterical and it's classic because it's just relationships mm-hmm. there's a mother there's a mother and son conversation phone conversation that they have that's really beautiful and they're the ones that really turned um, sketch comedy into they were at Second City uh, the Compass Players, Second City, and then they went on to Broadway. And nobody had ever seen two people improvise or do sketch like that before, where it wasn't... It was the way that humans speak to each other. And that became just a center point of so much comedy at that time. And it just opened everybody up that suddenly comedy was also about um, being human and connections and that sort of thing, not just make, just to make people laugh, but to make people think and to make people um, feel close and all that stuff too. But Elaine May and Mike Nichols were just, they're the best. I'll have to check, check them out. out. Really, sure. really check them yeah. out. I, I love them. When you said when you said his name by itself, Mike Nichols, I'm like the director guy. Yeah, the director guy. Yeah. And then he went on to he probably uh, wrote too. I assume. What's he that? Wrote, he probably wrote those movies too. Did um, Mike Nichols do Kramer versus Kramer? Am I? Oh, that's Sidney Pollack. I think. Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Who I love also. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Mike Nichols um, directed. I think his first movie that he directed. I want to say it's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh, okay. That's no easy task. His first fucking movie. Seriously. Seriously. Um, and he also directed The Graduate. Uh, uh, do you know, I just saw that movie last year in totality. I had only seen snippets and wow, what a film. What a film. What a film. And Mike Nichols, and nobody wanted Dustin Hoffman. Like, who the fuck is this guy, Dustin Hoffman? And they got him and he was perfect. Oh, such a Buck good Owens, uh, Buck, Buck Owens, not Buck Owens. Um, uh, 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 um, ah... Uh, Okay, I just can't remember. I was going to say Buck Owens, but it's not. Buck Owens, of course, is a country western musician. Um, uh, uh, this guy who wrote it, I'll come back. People are screaming at their phone right now. Uh, who wrote it, um, wanted to be in it. He, he wrote the movie, too. And he wanted to the be graduate? in it. The Graduate? Yeah, and oh. he wanted to be in it. And, my, and his name will come to me. He also produced and wrote uh, on Get Smart. Um, oh. And I can't remember his That's name That's a classic. Right now. God. The original Get Smart. The original Get Smart. So funny. Really, really funny. Yeah. Really funny. I didn't watch the reboot, but... Uh, oh, I can't watch the reboot. Yeah, but the original was so well done. No, I'm not going to watch the reboot. And, and, you know, My Car- dad had the biggest crush on uh, 
the Girl Friday. Oh, what, fuck, uh, right? Mitt, what was her character? Uh, 86 or something. Yeah, yeah. Or something. something like that. Yeah. But who wouldn't have? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, geez. He loved her, and my dad worshipped um, Peel. Uh, yeah. Like, Emma Peel. Yes. Yeah. But they're sexy British ladies. Yeah. Jeez, who wouldn't? Like, yeah. who's looking? Who would go, no, I don't, no yeah. Emma Peel for me. Yeah, no, thank you. Going, her. oh my God. When I think about all the, the crushes I had, I remember watching um, Some Like It Hot. Have you ever seen the movie? I have. I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of old movies. Oh, it's such a great movie. First of all, I think the writing, the writing back then was so sly and, and, the, the pacing of everything, the comedy, the comic delivery was so perfect. I think okay. it's a Frank Capra movie. Oh, okay. I think, I don't know. I can't remember. Somebody's yelling at them. I so, am. Um, We're giving a lot of the, you know, interactive moments. Play at home. They're playing at home. Um, Buck Henry. Buck Henry. Buck Henry. Buck Henry. Buck Henry wrote, not Buck Owens, Buck Henry wrote uh, The Graduate with. Uh, Mike Nichols and somebody else. So okay. They, okay, Buck Henry. Yeah. So I was watching Some Like It Hot on uh, WLS TV in Chicago. I think it was probably 12, maybe 13. And there's a scene in it where Marilyn Monroe climbs into the um, Pullman bed on the railroad, on the train with Jack Lemmon. Mm-hmm. And I remember her getting into that, like jumping in there, and they're wearing their nightgowns. Um, and I'm going, oh my God. Something's happening. Thinking, Something's happening right now. <laughs> Something's happening. And I think everybody has had that moment of, I, something's happening that nobody really explains to you that will ever happen. Where there's going to be a moment where you're going to know who you want to rub skin up what gender yes. you want to rub skin with and that that moment is like that that person that I, person i think for me i remember before mel gibson got to be mel it was well you know what i'm saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. back when he was uh and mrs soful i remember there was a kiss and mrs soful and mel gibson i thought oh m g i need to take a bath omg spot <laughs> Yes, exactly. OMG spot. And I saw him yesterday. I was at a bar and, and one of those um, movies that he was in, not Die Hard, but what was it? What were the Trouble? What was the movie that he was in? Oh, with um, Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All uh, those movies. Lethal Weapons. Yeah, one of the Lethal Weapons. Yeah. And um, he I was s- a handsome, really handsome man. I so enjoyed Mel Gibson in, in as, a, as growing up. I oh, love, yeah. like, a credible actor, all the stuff, all the things that happened. The Mel Gibson that I adored, and then the Mel Gibson that is now. I'm oh, it's such a bummer when people show their Kevin ass. Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey. It's a great Fucking example. Fucking Kevin Spacey. When people show their ass like that, although I would, I would think that if you are a, a raging sociopathic narcissist, you probably make a great actor. Yeah, Honestly. or or a president. Or a president, sure, a politician in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, don't know I how... get it, but. Yeah, I don't know how. If anybody says, you know, you know, whether President Obama's really, um, he, you know, he's full of himself. Let's keep in mind this: he's the fucking president of the United you States. You have to be. You that. have to be that. Yes. I want course. somebody to be confident. Yes. Inspiring, 
Um, I want somebody to take a chance. Yeah. I also, and this is something that we're, we're experiencing now that doesn't happen. A president who will say, yeah, I was wrong, or I'm sorry, or I'm with you, or I, I feel, I feel connected with you. very hard to do. Very, very hard. Yeah. Really, really hard. And I would imagine that, you know, when you're a president and you're, you're self-aware, to be mindful, not to, to, be, to be aware of what a narcissist is and to check yourself. Right. Before you wreck yourself. Before you, or prior to wrecking yourself, or prior to wrecking yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, when Clinton said, oh, "I did not have sexual relations with that woman," blah blah blah, I was like, "You know what? Fuck it. Say I'm the president of the United States. I got a blowjob. It's none of your goddamn business. We're moving on." Yes, I would have respected that a thousand times more. But that was a different time. I know, but it's and just now we're looking this. at this going, going like this. The, this guy now, oh. <coughs> who we have. I look at it, and i got to be honest with you. <coughs> I call him the bird dog. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He bird dogged yeah. the country. I also feel this. This is going to be a weird thing for me to say. Thank God for that guy. Because he has shattered so many people's sense of this cocoon that everybody's living in. Mm-hmm. And that shattering, there, there's, more, there's more alive art Performance, which is also art, um, opinion. People are expressing themselves in ways. Some people, I go, what's wrong with you? But there's also the rats are coming up uh, on the deck because there's water on it. And you're going, oh, you're a rat. <coughs> Excuse me. You're a rat. You're a rat. You're a rat. Yeah. And now the rats are all coming up. And I and what has woke to, everybody up. It woke everybody up. Everybody's woke. I don't know people who aren't woke. And if you're not woke, what the fuck it? What the fuck? It's hard not to be woke. And as much traveling as I do, because I do a tremendous amount of traveling, um, I am, and I'm by myself a lot, yeah. so I'm overhearing conversations because that's one of the best things about being alone is you really get to listen to conversations and hearing how people talk about this guy and hearing how people talk about the country and hearing how people uh, feel about you know, the future and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's the end of the world as we know it. Um, and I feel fine. And you feel, as long as you feel fine, that's all. You should write it. Um, so that should it, be a song. That should be a song. Nah, I don't have time. Uh, I'm too busy sleeping. Ah, Ram. So um, it's, in many ways, I'm very thankful that he's the president. And in many ways, I feel like he's the devil. People who don't, people who get away with shit, I'm wondering how the fuck do you get away with that? Um, I have removed so many toxic people from my life. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this. There, there's a book club that I'm the only member of, and it's called Fuck That Book. So you know that book that you have on your nightstand that you just can't finish? Fuck that book. I agree with you 100%. Oh my God. Absolutely. Fuck that book. Throw it away. Don't donate it. Throw it away. The book that you have on your bookshelf that you lo- that you read, but you'll, you'll never read it again. Fuck that book. The book that somebody gave you that you don't like that person. You never read it. Fuck that book. That cover that you don't like. Fuck that book. And then you get to do things like, fuck that shirt. Fuck that shirt. I'm never going to wear that shirt. Or I wore that shirt with that person. Fuck that shirt. Fuck those pants. And then you get to go, fuck that friend. 
And I don't mean literally fuck that friend. I mean, you know what? That friend's more trouble than, than yeah. he or she is worth. Yeah. And it would be really be easy for me, and I don't feel guilty about this at all, to ghost the fuck out of them. Because I don't want to have a conversation with you about why I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Right. Because it's not going to change you. And it's also, this person's more trouble than I'm worth. I'm worth more than that. It's, it's about understanding what you deserve too where your time is best suited and what ends up happening is those people inevitably take over your movie and it's your fucking movie mm-hmm. your life is your movie and now I'm spending time making them they're supposed to have they're just a co-star <laughs> how can they fucking star in my movie because I'm spending so much time thinking about oh, I gotta make sure that I don't say this or make sure that I don't say that and I, mean, I was married for 14 years and I I remember a student saying to me, You're, you profess acting upon your truth and you're not doing that in this marriage. And I went, yep. And then I went home and I asked for a divorce. Wow. Because that marriage was controlling my life. And I couldn't bloom. And I believe that relationships have shelf lives. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that um, that once you start a relationship with somebody, it never ends. Mm-hmm. It just changes. Mm-hmm. My ex-wife and I have a very... Uh, we have a really interesting relationship. The relationship is this, and we're really good at it. We're really good at this relationship. The relationship is this. I don't call her, and she doesn't call me, and we don't talk to each other, unless it's our birthday, and then we text each other and go, happy birthday, which is a, an, a recent development. And I love that. And I would love to find out what's going on with her, but that's not the relationship that I have with her. You told a story, and uh, so I'm taking your improv class right now. It's wonderful. And you told a story last night that I thought was so... It's just yes exactly and it was I would love for you to, to retell it about the being in the bar with mm-hmm. your ex yeah so um, I had a, a really strong relationship with this woman and we're friends now and it was that hot and passionate like soulmate sort of thing that you meet somebody and then we broke up for whatever reason and I hadn't seen her in two years I really avoided her and then I saw her at a bar and I totally ignored her for three hours. And it was the most work I've ever had, ignoring her for three hours. And, and, I, uh, and it, was as, it was as if I, and the energy was this. It was as if I just kept, I looked at her in the face and went, Jen, 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 Jen. That's how much I was ignoring her because I could not stop thinking about her being in that bar with me at that moment. And my ignoring her, what I'm not ignoring her. She's taking over my life at that moment. I'm letting her take over my life at that moment. And I left that bar. I left the bar and it was another, I think another year before I saw her on a street corner and I went and I just saw, I just bumped into her and I started crying and she started crying. Mm-hmm. And we, and that was like, let's, she called me an asshole because I was, because I didn't want to connect and she wanted to connect. and. We, she is a dear, 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 dear friend of mine. Yeah. 
But it's that thing where you, the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. And that was a great example of that. She's at the bar. She's right there. Fucking talk to her. And it's all about ego. No, I've got to stand up and I have to be, you know, resilient and all that. Like, fuck all that. And she's really good at that. She's like, you were such an asshole during that time. I'm like, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I was an asshole. But I needed to go through my process. And I'm sorry that I hurt you. That's the important part, too. It's go, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Yes. Yes, for sure. Not, I'm sorry you were hurt by whatever, but no. I'm sorry I hurt you. There's that. a huge difference in those two sentences. Absolutely. And, and I remember when I was married, and I, w- I would always apologize to my wife, and she, and I was like, how come I'm always apologizing, and she's never apologizing. And then one time she went, I'm, uh, you know, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. And I'm like, yes, I got an apology. And then driving in the car going, wait, no, that's not an apology. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry you're feeling that way. <laughs> Which isn't an apology it's at all. It's not at all. It sounds like an apology. It, it has the word sorry in it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, I'm sorry that, I'm sorry that you feel that way. So it's 12%, uh, <laughs> it's 12% apology. <laughs> it's the other 78% or whatever that would be, so 80, whatever it would be, is not. Yes. It negates it. But that's why it's really important to, as we say in the improv class, to live in every single word that somebody says so that you aren't hearing what it is that you want to hear. You're hearing what it is that's being said. Mm. You're not listening to what it is that you want to, you're not hearing what it is that you want to hear. You're, 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 you're aware of what it is that's being said in that moment. Well, I think actively many people are just waiting for their opportunity to talk. And so whatever, you know, the Peanuts character that is being sounded off in front of them, there's usually a parent, the sound of a parent. Yeah, it's, it's always like, a parent, right? And then they're like, "Oh, now it's my turn." Right. Yeah. There's a Milan Kundera book. Um, I can't remember. I've read a few of them. But, uh, there's a Milan Kundera book. Um, is that an acting coach? Milan Kundera is a, a Czech writer. Okay. And uh, they bounce? the unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> these bounce. Uh, thank you. The unbearable likeness of being. Oh, he wrote that book. I love that book. It's a really good book. I'm terrible with the names of authors. Which yeah. Is well, really Milan Kundera is such a good name. Yeah. It's a Milan good name. Kundera. Yeah. It's a really good name. That's a great book. And it's a really great book. And I'm not sure if it's in that book or another book that he wrote, where it starts out with a with a waitress overhearing people's conversations, and and what she's noticing is exactly what you talked about, which is nobody's really talking to each other, everybody's talking at each other, waiting for you, waiting for the other person to to stop talking so they can tell them how interesting they are to that person who is talking with them or at them. And it's an active, listening is an active uh, practice. You, you have to be active with it and you've really got to pay attention to what's being said. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, at times it's not easy because you want to hear what you want to hear um, and you're looking for the magic words, um, and we kid ourselves saying, oh yeah, I heard what they said, or I heard what she said, and you really didn't hear what she said. Uh, so you, so we're not really connecting. We think we're connecting, but we're not really connecting. Yeah. Were you, were you born in Chicago? Mm-hmm. You were born in Chicago, okay. So as you were coming up, were you the kind of kid that already Im- uh, had these tendencies, for lack of a better word, um, and you didn't really know how to put a finer point on it, or was this something that developed for you, this understanding? It's very Buddhist, right? This very understanding of 
being in the moment and actually actively listening, actively walking, talking without thinking, which is such a weird, it's a, to me, a dichotomy, like how to be actively doing something right now without thinking about it. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of questions in there. I know. But that's okay. That's okay. So that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick, <laughs> pick to the, pick, the, pick the food that seems most interesting. In that. Um, um, was I always like that? Uh, no, I don't think I was always like that. I think what ended up happening was I saw a lot of people. I, I knew a lot of people who really knew what they wanted and connected like knew this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do and I watched a lot of people say I am going to be an, I'm going to be a painter and to paint and I never really knew what it was that I was supposed to do uh, and then one day I went oh I I think I all that I knew was I want to make a difference in people's lives that's really all that I wanted to do and if I made money acting that's great I really loved acting I also I'm play, I started playing the guitar at the same time I started acting, which is in fourth grade. I remember my dad going, do you want to act or do you want to play guitar? Because I'm not paying two, two, $2.50 an hour for somebody to come in, wasting two fifty dollars on guitar lessons. So I remember that. And then I remember thinking, and I think a lot of people are, are looking for what it is that they do best, right? And I remember thinking... I do so many things and I don't know what it is that I do best, but I know that people are, I'm drawn to people and we're really creating these great things. And then, uh, and then I was in a bookstore at LAX and there was a book called Buddhism Plain and Simple. And I started reading that book in the bookstore and I went, oh, Buddhism is a lot like improv and improv is a lot like Buddhism, and how do I synthesize those two? And this is how I synthesize those two. Take the awareness that I have in improvisation and then take it outside of the theater and start noticing what's going on in, in the world because I'm already doing that on stage or I'm practicing that on stage. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. I'm practicing that on stage. And once that happened, a firewall comes down and you're no longer acting on stage and you're no longer walking around. You're just present to everything that's going on. And just because I walk into a theater doesn't mean that I'm thinking differently or feeling differently. I'm just in a different location and I'm the same person in that location noticing those same things and being present to everything that's happening there. <clears throat> and a major part <clears throat> of what I'm doing, and this is all through experience because you're nobody, you, nobody, I don't know, maybe someone will tell you this, but, but everywhere I go, I feel like I belong. Everywhere I go, not only do I feel like I belong, I feel like that's my place. Like right now, this is, this is my place and I just let these other people rent it out. You know, this Airbnb. And when you feel that you belong everywhere, you, you feel comfortable where you are. Does that make sense? It does. You feel comfortable where you are and you also feel that you belong. And when you feel that you belong, then there isn't that wall up that says, I'm a stranger. There isn't that wall up that says, they know something that I don't know. There isn't a wall up that says, I'm lacking information. Because we're all walking around noticing shit. Um... And I want to feel that I belonged mm-hmm. because so often I never felt that I was belonged. You know, uh, uh, I felt that everybody else had had the answer, and I never had the answer. And then you realize they have their answer. 
I have to find out what my answer is. And very often finding out what my answer is doesn't require you to find out what your question is. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. It absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. what's my answer? My answer is this. And I don't even care about the fucking question. The answer is this. I'm here. Yeah. And I'm noticing what's here. And it's really fun to walk out somewhere and go, yeah, I'm on my way to the market. But while I'm on my way to the market, I'm where it is that I am. I'm not at the market yet. So I get to notice that house that's there or that dog poop that's there or that letter that's there or, you know, there's a letter. I was walking down, uh, I was walking today and, and I always look down on the ground and I take pictures of things that I find. And there was a, there was a note that was on the ground. It was just a, a picture. I mean, it was a note and the note was this. It's on, um, striped paper. What do you call that paper? Stripe? Line. Yeah. Line paper. Mm-hmm. And and it's not written, it's written perpendicular to the line, which is like, that's interesting. In blue pen? In so. blue pen on a white piece of paper. And it was on the ground and it said, this is what it says. I know I'm ugly. That's just the surface. Get to know me. Throw a blanket on me and pretend I'm your dream couch. We belong together. That's like, beautiful. What? It's very cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And if I was just, if I was on my, if I was like, I'm going to the market. I'm going, and I get to be on my phone too, sometimes yeah. too. I'm going to the market as opposed to I'm taking that step. I am taking uh-huh. that step. I am taking that step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then you start seeing things. You start going, it's never about the destination. The destination isn't the destination. There is no destination. There is no place that you go where you go, that's the terminus. That's the end of the line. There is no end of the line. It was never Ithaca. No. No, no. You think it's Ithaca, but people don't just get sucked into Ithaca and then you never see them again. There's no end of the line. It's just a place that you go. Mm. Or it's a place where you are. And while I'm there, it's like, okay, great. Here I am. I'm at the market. Or here I am standing over that thing. Yeah. That, that, that thing. And I find some really good, interesting things on the ground. I was walking through my neighborhood and there was a box of like fake Cheerios, you know, like Sears Cheerios. You know, it's not like Cheerios. Lyrias. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Montgomery Wardios. And it, it was like a box of Cheerios with the bag of Cheerios on it. You know, like somebody took the bag of Cheerios out and just put it on the box of Cheerios and then walked away. Like, what? Okay. It's random. It, it's random. Or it's not random. I don't know. Maybe I was supposed to see that. Maybe. And I was supposed to see that. And then I could tell you about it. Mm-hmm. And other people see it. And now we go hashtag things rasvines, you know, on Instagram. And some of them are really stupid. You have a good Instagram. I do like Instagram. Tell, tell the lovely people what they've won. Tell, tell what your Instagram is. Wh- which one? What? Uh, the, oh, yeah. my name? Your, well, your Instagram name. Your handle. D Rosowski. D-R-A-Z-O-W-S-K-Y. Yeah, I put links to everything on the, on yeah. the podcast website. But it's just nice to say it. Just oh, thank like, you, D Rosowski. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, D Rosowski. And, yeah. I, and I do collages yeah. that are on the Instagram. Um, today I got a job offer. Should I say what it is? Yeah, I got a job offer. I can say what it is. Um, WWE, the Mm -hmm. the wrestling, they want me to go to Orlando and train Mm -hmm. wrestlers. Makes perfect sense to me. 
It really does. I just interviewed a WWE wrestler. Who? Al, Al Snow. I'll, I'll remember that name. Yeah, Al Snow. But really you, also, nice you also did Ivan... Evander Holyfield. Holyfield. Yeah. That's fucking fantastic. That's really great. Yeah. I love it. He's a lovely man. He seems like a lovely man. Yeah. He really seems like he's 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 not the other guys. He's no, that he's guy. a lovely man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he is he doing it anymore? No, but he um Thank he's God. pulling up up and comers, you know. He's got yeah. the real deal it's called real deal boxing or promotion, sorry, real deal promotions and then Oh and man, his talent, the the people that he's bringing up, they are talented boxers. Really, really talented. See there's no end of the line. No. And you know, in the in the class the other day, where there was that guy who was going, I thought the scene should end right now. Yes. And I'm going, yeah, no, it's not going to end. I right had now. a lot of feelings around that whole thing, and it was, and I was trying to stay with what I was feeling as well as watching that go down. And at first, I thought, well, this is really great because I'm learning so much listening to you talking with him, and learning so much about his his coming up against that wall. And then you trying to say, well, why don't you look around the wall or look over the wall? You don't have to go through the wall. Like, there are other ways, you know. And and he was getting, in my opinion, it's mine, I get it, uh, that he was, his anger pitch was getting more and more. He was getting frustrated. Frustrated. And feeling like he was supposed to know more than you or something or just different. I don't, I'm not really even sure what was going on because I'm not him. I don't know. But, and then it... it it went past a point, and I thought, now you're well, now that person is being selfish because there's 12 other people in this room, and it was really fascinating and a teachable thing up until here, and now this person is just being selfish of everyone's time. I, I, I and it's also interesting because I will not, I will not let him go. Mm. I will not walk away going. I will not stop in, in the situation. So essentially, the situation was this: mm. that he didn't. He his ego got in the way of him surrendering. And when you're acting, you've got to separate the ego from what the scene is asking you to do. And when you do, when you improvise as opposed to writing a written piece, a scripted piece, <coughs> excuse me, in a scripted piece, you will surrender because your ego isn't connected, but it's still there. And when you're improvising, you seem to think that people, some people seem to think, and it's usually a man, seems to think that their person is being attacked, that they've got to hold on to their self, or people are going to think, you know, if his name is Daniel, that Daniel's a jerk, or Daniel's whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like Daniel, if the actor's name is Daniel Marmoset, like Daniel Marmoset is not on stage. I called him Harold. So fucking let it go. And let it go. And he did not want to let it go. But I cannot just leave him. Which I understood at yeah. the moment. I did understand yeah. that. But at one point, you know, you kind of were like, okay, how are you not getting that? You know, and then you... But how are you not getting it is this. It has nothing to do with the moment. It's not that he's not getting it. It's that he is not ready to release, to release or he does not understand the concept of... Mm. Um, of, of, of the, the ego in terms of the work that we're doing. Yeah. And I think it's really important that that everybody recognizes this, any artist recognizes this, that nothing beautiful has ever been created that was a union between ego and inspiration. Because ego doesn't like inspiration. 
it's not a match. Mm-hmm. Ego needs to hold on to self. Ego needs and ego needs to hold on like this is who I am and this is where I'm from and this is what my history is and all that shit. And I go, who the fuck cares what your history is? Because when I hire you to be in a play, that's who it, that that's what I need for you to do. So Robin Wright, uh, who was the, the co-star with Kevin Spacey in mm-hmm. House of Cards, mm-hmm. she just. Uh, she just did an interview today and uh, talking about what it was like to work with him. And she went, this is what we did. We acted, the scene ended, we both went our separate ways, the scene came back, we acted. She said, I thought he was a very professional actor. I was really inspired by what he did. He is a genius. Absolutely. Yeah. And you look at all those things and you go, okay, that's what he was hired to do. Mm. That's what he's hired. But he, he was with her, Kevin was with Robin, Kevin the actor was with Robin the actor in those times that were that were necessary. Mm-hmm. And they both surrendered when they needed to surrender. Fucking surrender, people. Yeah. Surrender, Dorothy. Surrender. Mm-hmm. Let go of that which no longer serves you. And again, we go back to the idea of the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. And when we're, you know, when you're writing a song, you, you will hit probably all, all the time, maybe less, certainly less now than when you first started writing, you're going to hit uh, what you think is a cul-de-sac. It's like you just keep going around the same thing over and over and over again. And at some point, it's at some point, you go, yeah, that's not working. And then you get to ask this, what is working? And let's just go back to that. Let's go back to what is working. And then you've, you've written the song. It is interesting to me uh, watching everything unfold. First of all, I love hearing when you talk to other people about whatever scene they're doing, and I'm I'm watching it. I'm also a part of it, and I understand that. So you're teaching me while you're teaching them. I get that. Um, I think that's a very important point because I was getting frustrated also because there were people on their phones last night, and to me. It was as if they were talking out loud. And and then I thought more about that. First of all, I thought, put your damn phone away. We're in a class. There's that, okay? The Can second, I address that? Yeah, sure. A couple of students came up to me and said, I will be on my phone taking notes. That wasn't what they were doing. Okay, fine. Then I also I tell them see. this. This is what I tell yeah. them. You can do whatever you want on your phone. Yeah. It, it was it was distracting. Though. Love it. I Next totally to, get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, I don't I don't notice it. Nor if you are going to spend your time on your phone when yeah, you're with me, yeah, that's that's your thing, and and you realize that in. But that's class. where I was going with that. So the, so the thing is, is first of all, they were on Facebook. I could see what they were doing. But here's the thing that it, it led me to as I was thinking about it was that you have to let go of so much in there. In where? In the class. Mm-hmm. And again, it's that ego thing, and I was like, oh. They're, they're in a place right now where they think they know everything or that they don't need to hear what you're telling the newbie or, you know, I'm a newbie. I've only taken another series from you. So this is my second series. And, and, but I think there's something that happens with people who think, I don't need to know this. That was just really interesting to see too, the levels of people's acceptance of letting go. And I think being on their phone was a way of them to protect themselves. They didn't want to let go. Absolutely. I, 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 there was a, a teacher that I had, Michael Gelman, who's the closest to a mentor that I look at. I've got a bunch of people that I really look at as mentors. And I, I was in, um, I did something called the Artistic New Direction, which is a, uh, a great group out of New York City. We used to do um, retreats in the Catskills. 
and we would each take a group during the day of actors and each like four teachers uh, it was Gary Austin who was who, who started the Groundlings mm-hmm. um, which is where Will Klinger came from and uh, and, and Pee Wee Herman and all those people and um, uh, and and, other, and Michael Gellman and another teacher and I or a couple of teachers it doesn't matter Dave get on with the story so uh, so we would work with groups during the day and at night we would have a show for each other and I worked with these people all the time uh, that day and then we did the show that night and these fuckers did not do one goddamn thing that we worked on the entire day and I'm pacing back and forth at the back of the theater going what the fuck and then Gelman's group goes up, and Michael Gelman is—he's uh, a, a second—he was a second city director. He's a teacher. He's an author. He's just a fucking great human being. And Gelman's group goes up, and uh, they worked on something an entire day, and they didn't do anything that Gelman asked them to do. But Michael's just sitting in the chair going ha ha. And I went to Gelman. I said to Gelman afterwards, like, how could you not be so fucking frustrated with these people? And he did this, and it's, and it's not going to, I don't know how, how I'm going to make a read on, on uh, listening to it, but I'm making an, a big wide arc with my hand. It goes, this is people's learning curve, as he does a big wide rainbow. Um, and this is what I'm responsible, and my fingers are probably a quarter inch o- apart. This is what I'm responsible for. Tiny little amount. I'm not responsible for anything else. Everybody is on their own time. Mm. And... And if you're ready, you're ready. And if you're not, you're not. And I and I also think that you probably have been through this too, where somebody gave you a note or somebody told you something years and years ago and you parked it in a little place in your storeroom in your brain and you're like, yeah, I don't know how that's true. And then 20 years later, you go, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have the aha moment. Sure, sure. You have that aha moment. And that aha moment, you get to have the aha moment when the aha moment needs to have the aha moment. Yeah. And we got to remember that the tip of the iceberg has the fucking iceberg underneath it. Yeah. And it pops out when it pops out. And there is no such thing as, as an aha moment that doesn't have thought prior to the breaking of the filter yeah. of the aha, the breaking through that, whatever the filter is. Yeah. You know, people running through the thing at a football game, the football players running through that paper thing. And it's like, wow. Yeah, and I think normally I would be in normally, a place... Historically? Historically, I would be in a place where uh, that I'd be like, yeah, it's it's on them. I mean, they're they're here. But I think because it was distracting to me, it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. I get because it. I was trying to listen, and and you had said something the day before, which none of those people were in the day before. But um, that when we were doing, it was a really cool practice where you had us walking across the room through a barrier of two people standing uh, by each other. It was a fascinating experience, but. In that, you talked all, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth because I'd like for you to talk about it, but the idea of, of being hyper aware to everything in the room as part of the improv experience. And I think because I'm in that heightened space right now, um, it made it that much. It was as if a conversation was happening right next to me. Mm-hmm. And so that was frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but talk about that because that was a really cool, uh, the, the walking thing oh. that you did, the breaking through and the... Yeah, yeah. it's... it's um, Two, two, so if you, if you take a rectangular room, you put two actors side by side in a way that is sort of like they're, they're, at, they're at a door, you know, that each of them, one is the right side of a doorway and one is the left side of the doorway. And 
then you can imagine under you know in between there on the floor between them is a, a threshold you know that that thing that is at the base of all doors that the draft doesn't come in um and it's called a threshold because it used to be dirt on the floor and they would throw thresh or hay and hay cost money and so they would hold in the thresh with a threshold a piece of wood underneath. oh that's so cool it really is cool um it could be apocryphal but it sounds like that could be the thing you know um i've got a few of those things like the term blah 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 you know and then he said blah 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 like where did that come from and then i thought blah 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 is abla 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 as in do you speak this language isn't talk 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 oh. abla 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 i could be wrong i love that though i think for me i'm going i I'm think that's go how that works that. i think that's how it works Let's propagate that one so yeah yeah do that and um <laughs> i don't need credit so um the concept is this the, the, that we're that when we're walking towards something, we're walking towards something, but where it is that we are. So every step that we take, we are still, we are landing. We're never on our way somewhere. So if I'm at, if I'm near a doorway, I'm and I want to go to that doorway. Every step I take gets me closer to the doorway, right? Mm-hmm. And every step I take that gets me closer to the doorway. There's a feeling that I have about it. Every step that you take towards something changes the feeling that you have towards that something. And then once you walk past that threshold, if you will, and that was the two people standing side by side, as you actually as you got closer and closer to that threshold, your your heart rate increases. Your breath your the, the, the tempo with which you're breathing increases. Um, something is kinesthetically happening to you. And for you to be aware of the kinesthetic experiences that you're experiencing while you're experiencing those experiences, that says at that moment, I am alive in this moment at this place. I am at this place in that moment. And it's the idea of, um, of, of we're going go to I'll go back to the idea of the threshold. We cross a threshold. Every day we cross millions of thresholds. And to be aware when we cross over that threshold that we're going from one place to another or I've just gone from one place and now I'm in another place, that helps us ground ourselves to being present and mindful to where it is that we are. So a threshold that we have, even when we wake up in the morning, before we even open our eyes, we are awake. And that's a threshold. Mm. And then when we open our eyes, that's another threshold. And for me, because I travel probably 250 days out of the year, and you travel a lot too, right? That... I one a game that I play is before I open my eyes when I'm waking because that is I haven't opened my eyes yet. You wake up and I think when you wake up you're awake and then you open your eyes. Fair enough. Mm. When I wake up before I open my eyes, I, this is the question I ask: Where am I? Where am I? Like what physical place am I? Chances are I'm not in bed in my bed, in our bed. I'm not in that bed. Where am I? What do I think of? And then I go, oh, maybe I'm here. And I open my eyes and like, oh, no, no, I'm not here. I'm at this other place. Hmm. You know? It's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. So stop being, and the idea is this, stop going somewhere. Be where you are. Stop going somewhere. That's not saying just be sedentary. It's, it's saying wherever it is that you are, be at that place that you're at. Yeah, it was, to walk through those two people, it actually faltered my step. And it was, and... It was such a weird experience. I, I think I described it as, as going through um, egg yolk or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like a membrane to go through. And the fact that it was just more air, but it wasn't. It's fascinating. It really, it really is. It's really 
and, and the idea of, and we talked about liminal space, that space between, the, like as you're crossing, did I talk about liminal space at all? I don't remember. Okay, as, yeah. so as you're crossing over that threshold where you're not in one place and you're not oh, in yes. another place, mm-hmm. that's a liminal space. Mm-hmm. That space exists. Mm-hmm. It's like something, you, you're, you're in, you're in, you encounter a stimuli, a car crash, say, the sound of a car crash. Uh, or, or the you witness a car crash, and prior to so you witness the car crash. Prior to you recognizing what's happening, there's a space right there where you don't know what's happening. That's a liminal space that exists in your consciousness, mm-hmm. and when you're recognizing those moments before you make a decision, where you're going from one state to another state before you make that decision of whatever it is that you're, you're going to identify that as, there's a space there. And that's a liminal space. And that exists. And when you start breaking down your life into those moments, you're very fucking aware of all the moments that are happening to you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to dwell on them. You just have to go, well, that, that's a moment. That's a moment. That's a moment. You know? I have them all the time. Where you... I was at a bar yesterday, last night after the class, uh, and it's a great neighborhood bar, and I walk in and I order a sandwich, and the bartender's working around and doing it, whatever he's doing, and there's conversations going on, and then I hear the ding, and I go, my sandwich is coming. How lobbying. It is, it's very much so, and I start salivating, but that's a liminal space right there, where I don't know what the sandwich is going to look like, I think I have it. There's no picture of the sandwich. I don't know what it's going to taste like, but I am about to go from one state to another mm-hmm. by hanging out in that liminal space. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Have you ever been in a car accident? Oh yeah. That the weirdest thing about a car accident, if it's a big enough one, which I when I was a kid was in. Uh, With your right arm. No, no, I mean, okay. I, you know, the whole, it was a thing. But you, you touched your right arm. Yeah, I so did, like, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was a caregiving moment. Great. You know, I'm petting myself mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. in the memory. Um, I was run off the road by a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. The car flipped many, many times. And uh, I was, what, 17, maybe? 17, yeah. And uh, you weren't there. How do you know? <laughs> I'm going to say, no, you weren't 17. Uh, no, 17. I was I on the did. edge of 17. Well, here's the thing about 17. It's like, that's a really good age. 17 is a really good age. It's not 16, which is not okay. No. And it's not 18, which is like, oh, you're on, you're on your way to adulthood. Ugh. But when you're 17, you're like, fuck. That was really good. And there's that Ian, uh, what's his name? Janice Ian's Janice Ian. Yeah. I just 17. Oh, I learned, wait, I learned 17. the truth at 17. I learned the truth, I learned the truth at 17. 17. So you're that 17. Song is brutal. It um, is fucking brutal. It's a brutal song. And she I rem- lives in Nashville. I actually, I've been to oh, breakfast yeah. with her a couple times. She's a lovely woman. I, you know what? That song is really, and I remember when it first came out, um, and I remember thinking, oh, she's nailed it. Yeah. I learned the truth at 17. Mm-hmm. Just that line right there. Yeah. I learned the truth. That's yeah, 17. it's an epic song. Yeah. That's a good way. That's that a love, good do you remember the next line? Um, the love was meant for beauty, beauty queens. queens. Yeah. Fuck, so good. Right, I learned the truth at 17 that love was meant for beauty queens. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. Right? I learned the truth at 17 that love was meant for beauty queens. I want to know what those beauty queens look like now. Not, uh, no. I'm guessing they haven't held up well. No, 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 no. And all the people that I know who are like of that beauty queen era at my high school, I'm going, fuck, how did you get 
15 years older than I am. Yeah. Where we went to the same high school and grammar school and all that together. And now you look like what? And to peak at 17 is a rough go, I think. <laughs> well, it, it is a rough go. And, and also, I think that when, you, when, when people are doing, their, you know, they're, they're doing that 9 to 5 thing and they go, yeah, I'm 64, I'm going to retire next year. I'm going, what? How old is that? You're I'm 59. I'll be 60 yeah. on my next birthday. But you seem quite young to me. Uh, You're I'm, very I, impish. I am very impish. And uh, I'm impish and I also feel like I don't have a lot of things that weigh me down. Mm. I, again, I've, I've surrendered all those things that weigh me down. Which makes you a great teacher, I think. Because you aren't... From what I'm, when we're again, here we go off. That we're swerving off the rails from the previous. Uh, but, but I do want to get. We're back swerving to, off the rails from the car accident. From the car accident, yeah. which I do want to get back to because I wanted to speak to that moment. But um, the I I described this about you to someone else before, um, in that you're like a, this little bat that sort of hovers over someone when they're in that moment of trying to figure something out, and you're not telling them what to think. It's like you're the it's almost like you become their subconscious or, or something. So you're not in the way, but you're like kind of whispering, like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it's it's really cool because it doesn't feel like a brow beating. It doesn't feel like you're saying, I know more than you because I'm the teacher. It doesn't feel like any of that. It's just this sort of, let me take your hand and we're going to walk. It's, it's hard I, to describe it, it, but that's how it feels. I have nothing. I I have... Nothing to prove. Mm. And when I say that, I have nothing to prove. My life has been fucking unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I have... I have You've done a lot. I've done a lot and I've worked with a lot of fucking great people. By the people. way, for those of you listening for the past hour, uh, <laughs> David, we haven't even said. No. Uh, I say it in the preamble anyway, but uh, a master Let me introduce an, him. An, a master improv actor, actor, author, teacher, I mean, on and on and on. And, and, and for me, I look at all those things and I go, yeah, I did that. And sometimes I'm really surprised going, oh yeah, I did that. I was at the Second City, uh, I was the artistic director, of this, I was at the Second City, I with Carell, Steve Carell, Steve Colbert, um, Amy Sedaris, all these great actors um, at a great time. At uh, a, the, somebody called it the golden age of, of uh, improv, and it really, really was. Um, so I've done that. I played at the Kennedy Center in, with the. Uh, I'm a member of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. So TED Talk, at, which is killer, by oh, the way, and I will post that on the links page because it's so good. It's really I quite loved a, it. It really is great. Yeah, I posted it on my Facebook page. Oh, like, thank you. Watch this. Uh, it's really, it's it's one of those things again. Those opportunities, like I, I don't go. I don't pursue that. Yeah. It's just a bit because I'm, and this is so fucking important. It's vital. Is whatever it is that you're doing that you're getting your rocks off on, keep fucking doing that thing mm-hmm. and don't worry about where you think it's going to lead to or to find out what's the next thing because the next thing will come as long as you're present with whatever it is that you're doing right now. Because whatever, you and I know each other for whatever reason. There was something that happened that put my meeting you into a <clears throat> uh, uh, in, in, into orbit that made it happen mm-hmm. and it only happened because you were doing what you you were doing what you do and I'm doing what I'm doing and then our paths cross mm-hmm. and that's true of every stupid thing so when I'm teaching a class this is a, this is, this is a, a, a side rail that when I'm teaching a class 
I, I'm not there to do anything but be the midwife to your voice. I'm not telling you, uh, that's a Martin DeMott line. I'm not telling you what to say. I'm telling you, say it. Say it, say it, say it. And, and there's an empathy that comes from being present. And the empathy is what it's all about. When you're writing a song, you're being empathetic. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're taking on a character's voice and you're, you're expressing that with empathy. And you're not berating anybody unless that's the character in the song. You're you're going, this is what I need to do and you're going to connect with it because I'm connecting to it. Mm-hmm. And then people feel connected to that. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in a, a when I'm when I'm side coaching you, which people have to get used to because I'm in your fucking face. You are. Um, uh, when I'm side coaching you, I need for you just to be present with me and because I'm present with you. And I am not going to ever fucking let you go. And I get very emotional about that. I'm not going to let you go because fuck you letting you go. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're doing and stop it. Mm-hmm. And when I say stop it, I'm going to tell you what to continue doing. I'm not just going to say stop it. I'm just going to say stop doing that. I'm going to say, listen, where you're going right now, join this. Do this, just do this, and I, I used to say, "Do this just for me," as if I'm your, you're, I'm doing, you're doing me a favor. But it's a trick. It's like, just do it for me. We're not going to tell anybody. So it's that feeling of empathy, and also I want you to have success. And that's so apparent, which makes a great teacher. Because the end result is you to have that light bulb go off, and there's nothing more. There's nothing better. And, and sec, even foremost, even foremost over, over the check that you get for doing the gig, there's nothing better than to see somebody go, somebody go, no, 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 oh, 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 no, I get it, I get it now, I get it now, I get it now. That woman Joy in class, her name's Joy, Jesus I Christ, know. you know, Joy in class to watch her go, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Or to see somebody who has never taken an improv class, like you, I watched you go, ding, it's like, there we go. That your life is ruined from now on. You have that going on. But going back to the car accident. Yes. Okay. So in a in a car accident, especially a big one, time. I'm I'm wondering is that liminal that weird thing that happens with time, where it slows to a near stop and you are beyond hyper aware of everything happening because it's happening like that. It's the weirdest thing. And if you haven't been in a major car accident, you wouldn't necessarily know it, but it is so weird. What the fuck? You know, time takes on a whole new meaning. Yep. It really, really does. And, and, and it's the same measurement of time. So say that you're tumbling for 25 seconds. That long. 25 seconds. That's how long that was. Everyone on the thing just went, what the Wait, fuck what, is that? Happening? What's happening? <laughs> we can make a little noise in the background. Um, but you know, that, that, that's 25 seconds. And those two 25 seconds are very different 25 seconds, but they're the same fucking 25 seconds. Yeah. So, so it's, I go back to that really fun thing that I do where I talk about the first kiss that you have yeah. with somebody. Yeah. And that feeling of at that moment, right before lips touch or whatever it is there's that feeling and you're going 
you're living in that's liminal space right there. The threshold. That's the threshold right there. That's that liminal space where you're going. I think there is no going back. You cannot un car crash. We're in it, and 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 just to be in it in that moment and to sit in it, you know, to go here we are, here we are. And I, I bet that if you talk to other people who are in car crashes, that's the same experience that they had, where time slows down, or as you're going, you're, you're, you may be thinking, I wonder if I'm going to die. I wonder if this is how I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, that's secondary to your thought of, this is happening right now. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening right now. And when you're improvising, the people that I like to improvise with are the people that go, this is what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening right now. And it's a magic trick that we do where we, where we, time slows down because we're, we're in control of that. When, you know, I work, I work a lot with tension and it's like, let's fucking milk the fuck out of that thing. <laughs> Excuse me. So people in the audience are going, please get out. Please, please stop it. But please keep going of not stopping it. You know, let's live in that moment right there. And that's the liminal moment. And that's the moment where we're in charge of what we're doing with the time that we're doing what it is that we are doing. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. It's really, it's good stuff. Does a person audition for Second City? How does that work? You, there... You audition. Uh, this is the way that you see. I think it's probably still this way because I've been out. I've been out of it for uh, uh, for a couple for a couple decades. Um, you would audition for the training center, mm. and then you would go through the training center, and then there there would be a, like a point where you get to audition for the touring company, uh. and then you audition for the touring company. <laughs> Some people didn't audition, like Chris Farley, who is there. Before, right before I got to Second City. Chris Farley didn't audition. Del Close, who was uh, an improv uh, guru, he was directing at Second City and hired him mm. uh, straight out. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman, Bonnie Hunt. Do you know Bonnie Hunt? I do. Bonnie Hunt, straight out. You know. I like her comic timing. Oh, she's fucking great. Yeah. Former nurse. I could actually see that. Yeah, she was a nurse. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people... like the, the That's la- empathy, though, right? That really is empathy. That's empathy, and it's also... Fucking mouthy, awesome, mouthy Chicago broad. I mean, really, really one of those people that you know where she's coming from. You know where she's coming from, and and her truth is not hidden. Mm. And those are the kind of people where I go, I like your moxie. Yes. So you have a, I love it, your podcast, ADD Comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very good. Everyone should definitely subscribe and listen. And uh, there's so many different, I mean, it's all in the same wheelhouse, but so many different thought processes and different personalities and things that people you talk to. There was one particular episode that I I very much enjoyed. Um, and is it Shira Piven or Shira? Shira Piven. Shira Piven. And um, you had this conversation together because she was formerly an, an actor and then she transitioned into directing. And you talked about transitioning. And it just really hit a nerve for me because as a creative, you know, we do all these things and and then we, we maybe get to a point where we're like, okay, now I'm going to go over here. And there's that moment when you do that where you think, have I failed this thing that I was if I'm, if I'm going here now? And it's a very emotional threshold. So, but you said something really beautiful, I don't know if you remember, 
but it was about how it's not it's not a denial of what has been or a giving up or any of that stuff it's going over here it's just going <laughs> I mean, over here so you said it much more articulately and beautifully but but i thought fucking a <laughs> yeah it's going over here and it's not even going over here it's i'm here mm. you don't have to go over there you suddenly find yourself over there mm. and it's not it, there is no failure. Where it is that you are is where it is that you are. And whatever it is that you thought that you were going to do, this is a guarantee. You're not going to do that. It might look like that. I mean, it might have essences, es- the essence of what it is that you want to do, but it's beyond your dreams of what it is that it's going to be. There are, very, there, are, there are people that I know that always knew what they wanted to do. There are people that I know that always knew what they wanted to do. And, uh, and they are... And, and I was always envious of that. As I mentioned earlier, I was always envious of people who always knew what they wanted to do. And I always knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't voice it until I said, I want to make a difference in people's lives. Whatever that was going to be. As long as I, as long as I say it and I manifest it, I know I don't want to get too much in the secret, but as long as I say it and I manifest it, as long as I say it, it will then be manifest because I will say it. But the people that I know that always knew what they wanted to do are very few. Jackie Hoffman, who is in the company with me at Second City, who is at, who is at, uh, who is in the company with me at Second City, we worked extensively together. Always wanted to be a Broadway actress. Now, how many people want to be a Broadway actress? Millions of people. But she opened Hairspray. She opened Hairspray. She opened Xanadu. Her understudy in Xanadu on Broadway was this woman named Whoopi Goldberg. She opened Adam's Family. She opened Adam's Family. She was nominated for an Emmy in Feud uh, that was on uh, FX. Um, Stephen Colbert always wanted to be Stephen Colbert. And he became Stephen Colbert. And then also did this thing where he also was Stephen Colbert. Steve Carell always wanted to be a, a, a movie star. And he's a fucking movie star. But those people are, this is also what happened to Carell, which is very interesting because he's on my, he's on the podcast too, is Carell wanted to go to law school and he, he told his dad he wanted to go to law school. His dad was like, great, we'll make it happen. And then one day he went, I don't want to go to law school. I want to be an actor. And his dad didn't go, we're going to law school. He went, great, let's see how we can ha- make that happen. Wow, that's a good dad. That's a fucking good dad. Because whatever it is that you think that you're going to do, you're not going to fucking do it. And then one day you're going to go, aha, my dad wanted to be a photographer his entire life. What was he? An electrician. But now he's a sculptor and an actor and all that. He just one day went, fuck it. I'm not going to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is that you want to do, there's an opportunity for you to do it. If you, I know this sounds like if you can dream it, it can happen, but it's that thing where if you don't think that you, if it, if it wasn't meant for you to even try it, it wouldn't be in your orbit. Mm. And once you break the seal and you start doing that thing, you can't undo it. Once you have that relationship to that thing, you will always have that relationship to that thing. So if I wanted to be a sculptor, and I enter into a sculpting class, I'm a sculptor. Do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at that moment. And when people say things like, I really want to try to be an actor, I'm like, oh, what? you know, it's, I know it's Yoda-y, but it's like, don't try. What the fuck does trying look like? Mm-hmm. 
try as a weasel word that you use so that when it, when you when, because you think it's not going to fucking work and you say well at least I tried like fuck you well you said that there and you reminded me of my friend Monty Powell who's a, a big hit writer uh, from Nashville uh, I thought you were going to say a big Hitler no. he's <laughs> Monty yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. Uh, he when I first met him, he asked me a question. I said, well, it's kind of like that. He's like, there's no such thing as kind of. It either is or it isn't. And so when you start talking about binary, yes, no. It's either yes or no. And I thought, that's so, first of all, that is so empowering on so many levels. When you stop fudging and just say yes, no. Right. It's right. awesome. I mean, if, if anything, if you get anything from taking classes with you, I think that's a huge one, really. Yeah, that binary, that feeling. I don't maybe for me, at least. It's well, like such a big deal. It's also when you're dealing with somebody who says yes or no, and you know that they mean either yes or no, that you you know where you're standing. But and you also know where it is that they are, too. What was it? You, you said something about, I kind of like you. Oh, I see. Yeah. So when somebody says, I kind of like you, it really means I mostly don't like you. Because it's kind of. Because if I say I mostly like you, I, I guess that's clearer. But if I say I kind of like you, it's your way of protecting yourself mm. from saying I like you. And I'm going to also say that phrase I like you, I really like that phrase. I mean, I, I, I love Laura, but I also really like her. Mm. I really, really like her. And sometimes it's, I no, all the time, I would say that that's more arguably, you you. To love somebody for all the things you don't like about them, that's real love, right? That is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I yeah, for sure. And I go, oh, yeah. And when you think about somebody, and it's and it's kinesthetic response where, where we talk about, there's something called the viewpoints, and there are nine viewpoints, and I don't want to get into them, but one of the viewpoints is called architecture. And what it does is the viewpoints codify everything. It really sounds like hyperbolic, like how does it codify everything? But it doesn't codify everything. So one of the nine viewpoints is something called architecture. And architecture is, yeah, it's the walls and the ceiling and the floor, but architecture is also the relationship that you have with something. So... I'll take your keys, the relationship that you have with your keys. Like, I, I, you know, you have a relationship with your keys. And they're just keys until you can't <coughs> find them. And then you really miss them. You know what I mean? And there's also uh, architecture in, you say, there's architect, words are architecture. A word is architecture. I say Hitler. There, there's an emotional connection that you have. If I say lose your keys, there's an emotional connection. If I say found your keys, there's an emotional connection. Um, if, you know, the moment that I think about you, I go, ah, oh, I really, 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 really like that person. And when I see you, I go, ah, oh, I really, 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 really like that person. And so I have a relationship to all these things and I'm very mindful of those moments mm -hmm. when that happens and so when somebody it, I get to say to you I really like you without fear of whatever it is like fear of like what you're going to take away with it or what you're going to do with it and it really doesn't matter what you do with it because what well, I think doesn't matter what really. you think doesn't matter how about that yeah that's how such a that? powerful thing to understand too that a really good friend of mine about I don't know, four or five years ago, she and I were in the middle of this conversation and I was having some anxiety about something. And she said, I'm going to give you a little piece of advice. And I said, what's that? Her name's Kathy McHugh. She said, what other people think of you is none of your goddamn business. 
And I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, it's a really hard thing for people to wrap their head around. But it's so freeing. It really is freeing, but people want to hold on to it. People want to say, I had an ex-girlfriend who I said, what other people think about you is none of, my, is, is none of your business. And she really had a hard time with it because, no, I've got, you know, in order to get employment, in order to get a job, in order to, it's like, you know what? No, no. Literally, it is not your business what they think about you. And once you and I have this conversation, whatever it's going to be, you go on your way and I go on my way because you aren't directing my fucking movie and you aren't in charge of my business. I'm in charge of my business. And every once in a while, I'm going to give you a little bit of my business. You know, I'm going to give you the business. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of the business. But for the most part, I don't give a fuck what you think. And, you know, I, I mentioned in class the other day that uh, somebody wanted to use a quote of mine and, uh, and I don't remember saying it. So I Googled that quote to see if I said it, if I was associated with it anyway, and I couldn't find it. But I did find this, this Reddit thread and the Reddit thread was called, would somebody please explain Dave Rosowski to me? Well, first off, I had to figure out what Reddit was because I don't know. Grandpa don't know no Reddit. Um, and, and... And the moment that I saw that, it was a really wonderful opportunity to be really mindful and aware and present to that liminal space. The liminal space at that moment is this, I don't know what I'm going to see. Mm. That's a place. Mm. I don't know what I'm going to see. And whatever I do with the thought after that is my decision. So, okay, so I don't know what I'm going to see, liminal space. I don't know what I'm going to see. Liminal space. I hope it's not fucked up. Because if it's really fucked up, then I'm starting to project something on it instead of saying, I don't know what I'm going to see. Do I want to open it? Do I not want to open it? And I said, if I'm going to open it, I have to be at peace with this. What other people think of me is none of my business. Mm. And to look at it from that way. I don't know. These people have names like... Daniel 9965 Green. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I don't know. I have no friend whose middle name is a number. I kind of wish I did now. So. Wait about 10 years, you will. Oh, you will. And it's going to be on their forehead mm. or their arm. Um, anyway, so, right? So. Uh, dark. <laughs> dark. Suddenly things went dark. Um, <laughs> but at that moment, I would just open it up and I'm looking at it going, okay, people are saying Dave Rosowski yells at students. And, um, and he really gets in your face. And I'm thinking, absolutely. I yell at people and I get in their face. But there's something underneath that that you have to experience and these people didn't experience that. Am I mad at them? No. Why not? Because I don't know them. And here's nothing. It's none of my business. Even, you know, my dad, what he thinks about me. Like, that's a good one. My dad, you know, your folks are from academia, right? Mm. And so you probably always look at them and go, they're smart people, mm. but they're people. Mm-hmm. And have that, you know, have that, that moment. the moment you understand your parents are human beings and not, they just happened to have sex one day and, and there you were. You Absolutely. Know, that to, to really take the equation of parent out of it. Oh, how about the one in, in your, in the podcast about fisting <laughs> and your, your, one of your girlfriends from grammar school yeah. found pictures of her of your of her parents uh, her mom her mom and some and, 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 a, and, a, and a boyfriend, boyfriend. yeah 
and her mom was being fisted, mm-hmm. right? And we were like, what is this? Oh, yeah, clearly that. <laughs> but it's also at that moment going, oh, then later on you get to go, oh, oh my, my, mom's a, uh, my mom's somebody who... Has is, sex and has, gets fisted absolutely. and whatever, yeah. Yeah, my, my, my mom's somebody who has That's sex That's a great get, episode. It this, really this is a good episode. Start yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then and the word like porn, every time like porn start pornos, that came up in that, in that podcast. That I, I, I experienced that word, that oh. word, the, the architecture of that word, mm. you know, the, the word, and, and how do you, and your guess was really good because mm. he really, what's his name? Benjamin. Yeah. He separated the shame from the porno, and mm. when you separate that to go again, what other people think about me is none of my business. And he had this whole character that he did and he also made you muffins or whatever the fuck oh, it was yeah, so you know good. yeah the, but the but again he made you muffins macaroons macaroons yeah he made you macaroons and you go oh he's a porn star or whatever it is he's a porn journeyman uh, he's a porn star and he makes macaroons it's like those two things aren't necessarily they they go together with him mm-hmm. and he gets to be that guy mm-hmm. because what other people think about him is none of my business it's none of his business and he, being a gay man growing up in South Carolina and then moving to some other place and getting no support from his family. In fact, ostracized. Absolutely. Being gay. And- right? And he could have gone another way, but he went, I got to survive. I got to survive. And how do you do that? You go, what other people think about me is none of my business. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. Even me. Say that to somebody. Whatever I tell you, it's not, you know, take it and fucking throw the rest of it away. I can give a shit. And it's not, it's, it's certainly something that it's, it was such a gift to, to have her say that to me. I'm not great at it a hundred percent of the time, but I certainly at this point I'm getting to maybe 85% of the time, which is great. And I hope eventually I'll get to that hundred, but maybe I won't. That story about me, you know, in, in, in the Ted talk. Me shouting out in front of the eighteen hundred people in, in in a play. In, that is an. I don't. I don't want because I want people to watch the TED talk. So don't mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, I won't. I won't. Yeah. I'm just saying that there that that every time, like I I tell that story. Mm-hmm. I, that's vague enough. Mm-hmm. Every time I tell that story, I'm waiting for the shame to come, and it doesn't come because mm-hmm. I don't live. I don't have that. We well, don't live in the past either. It seems. No. No. And every time, when I do, when I, because there are things that I've done, it's like, oh, well, that, that wasn't a cool thing. And I get to go, that's all. That wasn't a cool thing. And not to go in the past and, and live in that going, oh, I, I, blah, blah, blah. And because that takes me out of the moment that I'm in right now. One of your podcast episodes, you were talking, and I, I texted you, I said, oh, I really like this episode. Is it, is it Josh Beal? Uh, jo- Josh, uh, um, no, no, no. Uh, um, Blue. Uh, Bland. Uh, Bland. Joy Bland. Joy Bland. Yeah. Joy Bland. It's a really great episode. Um, and uh, you had a moment where you were talking about uh, that a newer improvisational person might beat themselves up for not sort of saying, oh, I'm sorry I didn't meet you at wherever you were right then. Why didn't I say this or that or the other thing? You sit down and you live in that shame spiral. Uh which isn't, what's the point of that? And when you said something to the effect of, um, uh, do you want to stay in that hell? I think that's what you, something about that. Do you want to live in that hell? And I thought, yeah, exactly. My God. Get out of it. Yeah. I, and another, I, 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 that might have been, because I talk about this sometimes too, the idea of you weren't airdropped into your life. 
the choices that you made at that moment were made based upon experience that you had prior to that moment. Mm -hmm. And you were sane and you were probably sober or maybe you weren't sober. It doesn't matter. But everything that led up to that thing that you're looking at and that you regret, like fuck your dumbass regret. Because you weren't, you didn't suddenly just drop in to this scenario and go, I'm going to do that. Your choice of I'm going to do that is predicated on everything that led up to that point. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, And I get to go, well, that happened. That happened. And it's, and I, I can't, I will not anymore, no more will I beat myself up because of a decision that I made because whatever decision I made I made because I I was compelled to do that and I never hurt anybody physically I mean I might have hurt people's feelings but at that moment I needed to do that and and very often I feel like I've hurt somebody's feelings it's never too late to apologize Mm. and they may not even be thinking that you need an apology Nine times out of ten, I got I, I look at people and I think, how do I know that person? You know what I mean? When you meet somebody and you go, I, I know I know that person. When you're 60 years old, 59 years old, you've met a lot of people. And I meet some people, women, and I'll go, did we make out? <laughs> did we sleep together? Because I think, I think we might have slept together. I can't remember. I don't know if that ever happens to you. But <laughs> for me, it, like every once in a while I'm going, oh, I really have to be careful what I'm saying to that. I really want to make sure that, because I'm not sure if we did make out. Maybe we made out. How often do you get a response to that one? I don't ever bring it up. Okay. I just, it's just a conversation that I have in my head going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, but there are certain people I go, oh, I clearly made out with that person. <laughs> I clearly made out with that person. You do live in L.A., for God's sake. I do. I think, but, I, but I, I've made out with people, less people in L.A., because most people I've made out with in L.A. have you know, been relationships that I've had. But it's those other places where I'm like, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe it was sleepover camp when I was 16. Like, yeah, I might have made out with you. That's hilarious. Oh my God. In college. Historically, did you beat yourself up as you're coming up in the world? Did you have a lot of, yeah, he did. Have yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of that. Why, why did I do that? Why didn't I do that? Well, how come I did that? And then again, you just wake up one morning and you go, I can let all that go. Yeah. Because nobody else is thinking about that. And there are people that, and I know this for a fact, there are people that, I was, I was at a, I was at a, table with a bunch of my friends and we were talking about people not like liking you and I was thinking I, I think most people like me I can't imagine nobody not liking me and then driving home I'm thinking I'm the only person at that table who's divorced I could think of one person who doesn't like me and I could think of, of relatives of hers that don't like me too so it's like yeah what the fuck am I talking about people don't like me and when you get divorced it's one of those things where you go yeah, there's going to be somebody. I am shattering a bunch of fucking things right now. I think you, if you are living your life, there's going to be people that don't like you, period. Absolutely. And for no reason at all other than maybe they don't like your face. They don't like the way you laugh. They don't like something you said. They don't like the way you smell. They just don't like you. Yeah. Because 
they're not a person that likes people. Or maybe they like everyone except you. Or maybe they, you remind them of somebody who injured them in some way. Sure. And any actor who goes in and goes, I tried my best at that audition. I had a coach and we were all ready and I didn't get the part. It's like, maybe you look like uh, his ex-boyfriend. You know you have no idea why that happened. Mm. So let it the fuck go. Back to the what other people think of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and all of this is ego-based. What other people think of you. So when we're on stage together and we're doing a scene together, that's why I, I, that's why I emphasize when you're up on stage with me, you're not on stage with me. Susan is not on stage with me. There's this empty shell that we both fill each other up that's on that stage. So whatever it is that I say or do, you know, I, I know good touch from bad touch. Whatever I say or do is not me. Mm-hmm. I'm the artist and it's coming through me. And if you have a hard time with it, you know, if you have a hard time with it, uh, uh, then leave. Yeah. Leave. Because, you know, that's okay. You want to go, go. So at the end of my every class, I ask my, my, you know, you know, I say, what did you get out of this? And if somebody says nothing, I'm like, great. Last night there was a woman who I didn't know what she got out of it. Uh, and I felt like she said one thing and I was like, I don't think she got anything out of it. And then she said something else. And I was like, or maybe she did say something that maybe she did get something out of it. And then I thought, you know what? It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I wonder, though, how many people take the class who are not necessarily people who want to go into improv or be improvisation. Improvisers? Thank you. There Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Who go home and then the unpacking of it takes uh, takes a period of time. Oh, absolutely. I go back to uh, Michael Gellman, the the director that I had. Uh, It was... 1989, and I was a student, and he was my improv teacher, and he said, or my director, and he said, um, stop, what do you want in this scene? And I said, this is what I want. He goes, that's not what you want. I'm like, I fucking think that's what I want. I know, he goes, that's not what you want. I'm like, Michael, that's what I fucking want. And he laughed, he goes, that's not what you want. I'm like, you know, fuck you, Gelman. And I think I stormed off, and I'm like, fuck this, fuck this. 20 years later, 2009, I'm teaching a class, and I go to a student, what do you want? And they said, that's what I want. And I went, that's not what you want. And then I went, fuck, it took me 20 years to get that note. It took me 20 fucking years to get that note. And that's as long as it took to get that note. And Michael, of course, wanted me to get it right away. And I didn't get it right away. Because I wasn't supposed to get it right away. Because the elements weren't there for me to get it right away. Mm. As much as he wanted me to get it right away, I didn't get it right away. We know what we, you know, it's that we know what it is that we need to know when we need to know what it is that we need to know. And it's that, and, and, and you wanting to get it right away doesn't make you get it right away. And if you're impatient with whatever it is coming to you that you deserve or think that you need, the times that you're sitting there thinking, this is what I deserve, you're fucking missing what's happening right now. Everything that's happening right now, everything that's around you right now, you thinking this is what I, this life owes me this. It's like, fucking life doesn't owe you anything. It's an existential experience. We're here to experience this experience and to be aware that we're experiencing this experience. 
no matter what the fuck it is that you're doing, it doesn't fucking matter. You could be a Zen Buddhist monk driving a cab or be a Zen Buddhist monk doing brain surgery or being a Zen Buddhist monk sitting underneath a fucking tree. Be there. Hmm. Amen. Amen. <laughs> David Rosowski, I can probably talk to you for days at Evan to become a series. Uh, DavidRosowski.com. Yes. And you are, you travel all over the world. I just want them to know anybody listening that thinks, my gosh, I want to bring this guy to my place. Uh, you travel all over the world mm-hmm. and do this. 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 Well, uh, not this, I do, not I do, the podcast. not the podcast, but sometimes I do. Um, I travel around the world and I teach improv classes, which are really basic classes about. And not it. yes and. That's No. And maybe for just a second, talk about that because I think most people think that improv is the yes and thing and what delights me is that yours is not that thing no mine is really it's it's a theatrical buddhism and and that even throws people off but it's the idea of recognizing the feelings that you're feeling in that moment and expressing those feelings and 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 breaking it down to the most uh, to its very element so I don't start a scene, no scenes that I'm doing, uh, I don't get suggestions. I will look at you, look at the way that you're sitting, and I will say, oh, you're sitting like you're judging me. Like it looks like you're judging me at that moment. And I'll go, you're judging me. And now we have a scene. Because you get to go, I'm not judging you. And then we have a scene. And that's it. And it's avoiding all the rules. And I think a major thing about, about the work that I do is, Somebody asked me the other day that somebody wanted me to come to them to work with them and say, we want it, we, I, I need my group to be funnier. And I went, that's not what I do. I mean, there is humor in it and the humor comes from being human, but I'm not going to teach you how to be funny. I'm going to teach you how to be human. I'm going to not teach you how to be human. I'm going to remind you how to be human. Mm. And that's what we're doing. So it doesn't matter your provenance, what school you went to. None of that matters. All that matters is, are you present with me while I'm sitting and talking to you? Or are you thinking about, when's this class going to be funny? Because um, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you and I are connected in this moment and that we're, we're vulnerable and we're open and we're honest and we have no attachment to anything other than to connect in this moment. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's looking for something where I'm going, I need, to, I, I need to have more of a connection to people or feel more connected to somebody. Improv is a great way of doing it. Um, there's so many improv schools. Find one, like go out, if you're ready to go, if you're saying, I need to bust this shit open, go to a bunch of schools and see what, what, what gels with you and see what doesn't gel with you. Uh, what's interesting about the work that I do is very few people are doing what it is that I'm doing. I don't think there's really anybody doing what it is that I'm doing. And so that Reddit thread, would somebody please explain Dave asking to me? Um, because they're not, they're not used to that. Well, you said something that I thought really nailed it. You said, you say yes to the actor, but uh, you can say no to the character. Absolutely. And that, to me, in a nutshell, sums it up. That for anyone that fights that, that yes and obligatory concept that it's, it, you're still saying yes you're just not saying yes to the character absolutely so it's sort of if I say to, if I say to you um, so you're playing a, a patient and I'm playing a doctor uh, or if you're playing a doctor and I'm playing a patient and I say Dr. Finster I want my test results and you say no I'm not giving you your test results what you've done in that moment is 
you have said no to the character. But what you also done is you said yes to the actor and that yes is this, let's go at it. I'm not gonna give you the test results. And I'm gonna go, come on doctor, I need the test results. And you're gonna, oh, no, I'm not giving you your test results. I need my fucking test results. I'm not gonna give you your test results. Like, I will fucking rip your head off if you fucking don't give me the test results. Like, at that moment, now we're off and running. Mm. Good. But if, but if you had said... Dr. Finster, uh, well, let's do that. Okay. Go. Uh, Dr. Finster, uh, I need my test results. Okay, here. <laughs> and see. Right, exactly. Okay. And then there's the other one, which is saying no to the, the actor. actor. Okay, so Do- uh, let's do that. Dr. So, Finster, I need my test results. I'm not Dr. Finster. Right, or I don't have any results, or whatever. Well, even is, right? no, even I don't have any results still acknowledges that uh, there's results. results. But ah. if I if I take the rip the absolute core out of everything, oh, like yeah. the denial is Dr. Finster. I need my test results. Like I'm not Dr. Finster. It's like really. Yeah, that's just a dick thing. to oh, do. Oh, it's such a fucking dick thing to do, <laughs> and it's so. You talked about that. You brought up the word selfish. It's really fucking selfish. It's like, oh my god. And there's I. I it's either apocryphal or it really happened. Um, so Del Close, who again is like the, the guru of modern improvisation, um, was at Second City and in uh, when he, he was an actor at Second City as well. And Joan Rivers was in her co- with the company. So it was Joan Rivers and Del are in a scene, and there the scene is in a hospital, and what, and Del says to Joan Rivers, um, "I'm really," she goes. It's like, I'm going to have to be in the hospital for a long time, Joan Rivers says. And Del, Del goes, well, what about the children? And Joan says, we don't have any children. And that is always the perfect example of somebody denying the actor. Mm. As opposed to the character. Mm-hmm. And for me, whenever I hear that thing, it just make, I, it, it, it gives me the runs. <laughs> you know, going, oh man, why'd you do that? Mm-hmm. We were playing make em up. And who doesn't have a friend when they were younger who didn't want to play make em up? It's like, I shot you. You know, you're playing war or whatever. I'm sure that kids don't do that anymore. But it's like playing war. It's like, I shot you. I shot you point blank. It's like, no, you didn't. Like, fuck you, Claude. Yeah. <laughs> Claude. It's always Claude. Claude. Is a great name. Claude. Mean, are people named Claude anymore? I, I have only known one Claude. It was Claude Batat. Claude Batat. He had the greatest fucking toys. And he wouldn't let you play with them. Oh, he had a closet full of toys, like so Incredible funny. Shrinky Dinks and all those ones where you had to plug them in, plug them in to- toys. They're like, if this creates bugs and, you know, like those kind of toys. Oh, man. But if you weren't his friend or if you weren't friendly to him, his name was Claude Batat. Claude was a, uh, withheld his love. <laughs> well, yeah. And I also believe that Claude's parents withheld their love uh, from Claude. Clearly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> clearly. I think I Googled him not too long ago and... Um, he's doing well. I think he was, um, I want to say they were from Luxembourg or oh. Belgium. Mm. Mm-hmm. That sounds Belgian, doesn't it? I would, sure. His mom sounded French, but she was probably Belgian. Batat. Claude. No, there's no baby in an American. <laughs> like, if you, if you, if they're, right, and if you're going down with, what's your baby's name? Claude. So I want to yell at the parents going, what the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with you? How would you do that? Why would you do that? I have a friend um, who's, who named their kids, uh, you know, he, he's so fucking great. His kids are just the greatest people on the planet. And they have, it's um, Gwyneth, 
and Osha and Levi and Kaya. Ooh, Kaya, that means life, right? Or Kaya, mean, uh, life. yeah, maybe it means life. It means pot too. Mean oh. Pot, um, but it's like going and the, and these people are the fucking salt of the earth. So it's like it's all about the parents, but. They, you know, they grew up in Berkeley or fucking Yeah, those Oakland. are hippie names. Right? Fucking hippie yeah. names. Levi's biblical, I guess, so it's kind of it. Yeah, I, well, see, I said this the other day. I don't think my parents got my name right, so names are... Yeah. yeah. This, I think that you should, when you're, when you're... Okay, this is... You have an opportunity. <laughs> this is the... In my world, this is what I think needs to happen. When you are born, you're named. Then when you're 19... You get to go in front of a panel mm. and pitch your new name. Mm -hmm. And then when you're, I don't know, 40, you get to go in front of a panel, if you want, and pitch your name, a new name. So you have an opportunity to change your name. It makes sense to me. I've, I I believe in reincarnation. I am woo-woo like that. But I also believe that we have reincarnation within the actual each incarnation. Because the person I was at 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, you know, whatever, those people, yes, they're an onion of me, fine. But I'm none of those people. Right. I'm all of those people, and I'm none of those people. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was married, uh, my wife's name was... Uh, uh, my, my wife was Kate, um, which is exactly her name. Kate. Kate. She was Kate. She was clearly a Kate. I love that name, and I, I, I love Kate. Um, and then one day I remember her saying, "I said, uh, Kate, we gotta go." And she goes, "Yeah, that's not my name anymore." I went, "Oh, what's your name?" She goes, "I'm Katie." And I wanted to go. We should talk about this. You can't just go and change your name. I don't know why I felt that. I didn't say it, and I went. Okay, it's gonna take me a little bit to get used to, because Kate and Katie are two different names. Because some Kates want to be Kate and some Kates want to be Katie. Yeah, don't you dare call me Susie. I'll slap you. Oh fuck no. Or Sue. Don't like it. For no. me, it's fine on other people. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm Dave or David. I don't. I have no. You can call me whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Uh, my brother's Jordy, but his wife calls him Jordan. Kate never called me anything but David. Which always made me feel like I did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yes, yes. What's in a name? What's in a name? Uh, and I always love my brother's name, Jordan. Great name. Jordan's a strong name. Jordan's really, really... Jordan Michael. Very, very strong name. My sister's Rachel Ida. Rachel's also Jerry. a strong name. Uh, Jerry Gerald. Um, my mom was Joanne. Joe, Joanne. Um, I love it when women have men names. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. This is what I think. Sam, Alex. Oh yeah. Joe. You just named two of my grandparents. Ah. Sam and Alex. So this is what I think. There are men's names and women's names, and then they go out of style, and then they become dogs' names, <laughs> and then they change gender, mm. especially with men, mm. and then they become women's names. Sam, Alex. Bobby. Sure. Um, I have a chapter for this. Jeremy. My brother's name's Jeremy. I think Jeremy is a really cool girl's name. If I'd had a daughter, which I have no children, but if I'd had a daughter, I would have named her Jeremy. That's a good name. Mm. I think it's it's beautiful to name. Yeah. Girl. It's just a name. Mm. I'm also... 
I, this is such, it sounds like a joke, but I really, I really wonder why this happens. When you're, when you're giving a number of a phone number, you know what four is. You know, the number four. You don't have to say four as in whatever. You know, we go D as in David. Uh, you know, you, I think we do that because of sound, though. Because of I know. And stuff. So why don't we make names of numbers? What's your name? 967. And it's like, you don't go, how do you spell that? It's 967. Yeah. It's pretty clear. I think they tried that in the 30s. Did they? In the 30s in certain 40s, places. Yeah. 30s and 40s. Yeah, in certain places. I think they... Around 1939. Somebody ruined it. Yeah. They, those people somebody, ruined it for everybody. Absolutely. Or I think also you can have like like the, the concept of a silent letter in the middle of somebody of a word or a name. Like what's that doing there? And why don't we just put a silent number in the middle of somebody's name? Mm. Just throwing that out there. That's a good question. David Rosowski. Thank you very much. I had so much fun. It was Thank really you. fun. It was really fun. Really it, it could have gone on forever. I think so I'm so. going to stop talking right now. It <laughs> doesn't go on any longer. Thanks for listening, everybody. DavidRosowski.com. <laughs>